Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the call. Gosh, I've got to quiet my guests down. Uh, I've got a treat coming up for you. Ten companies picked by you. Two experts over the course of an hour. I'm Nadine Blaney, just sitting in for David Kosh, who is at the coronation. Um, Yeah, big weekend for royal watchers. All right, let's get to the stuff that we know and love, and that is stocks. And I said I've got a treat for you. I do. It's, I think, one of the original dream teams. We've got Jim Ben Lu joining us from Tribeca Investment Partners, and we have Adam Dawes from Sean Partners, yes. who kindly coordinated his outfit with mine today. Yeah, I like Adam, it, huh? above and beyond. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, it's a Friday. We might be a little bit loose, but Jim Bay, um, were you at the Macquarie conference? Yes, I was. And it was an incredibly crowded conference. Oh, was it? I've never seen this many attendants. They had 120 uh, international uh, visitors here to attend the conference. And quite a big, big part of them come out of Asia. Uh, yeah. And remember last year, you know, Asia, uh, Hong Kong was shut and yeah. the like. Yeah. So there was a lot of traveler here. Every room, every meeting was a standing room only. And some of them I couldn't even get in, in standing room. <laughs> right. Yeah, in, incredible amount of interest that actually coming from the investors. So I spoke with a guest earlier, Joe Fleming from Yara Capital Management. Mm. And he said, you know, despite all of the nerves about mm. what's happening with company earnings, he's, his big takeaway was that, a lot of Australian corporates are being very resilient. Oh, absolutely. So net net, if you look at the earnings uh, upgrade and downgrade, it's actually net net being upgraded. Very small upgrade, but all of them have talked to, um, you know, ele- elevated costs and the like, and things are going to be a little bit more challenging. Um, margin is going to be a bit tougher, but net net earning actually being upgraded mm. <laughs> on that basis. It's actually so pretty good. So are you sort of thinking that this reporting season won't be too bad then? I mean, we're, we've only got a couple months left in the trading calendar. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think this reporting season will be reasonable. Um, the thing is, you know, we were hoping for the corporates to rebase their earnings. We kind of, you know, we, economic weaknesses hasn't come through and we know it well. So that is the challenge at this point for investor to grapple. Do I buy now? Do I buy it post that result when things really do get worse? So this reporting season might be OK, but certainly the, um, you know, the, the activity is slowing down. Now, I know I'm getting a little bit too excited about reporting season a little too early yeah. on. However, yeah. um, just before we get to the stock of the day, which relates to reporting season, but anyways, I'm going to mess up the segue. Gold. Yeah. I, ha- I have to ask about gold yeah. because flirting with all-time highs. Mm. Are you happy with the gold holdings in your portfolio? Do you wish you had more? Absolutely, I'm happy with the okay. holdings because we've been long gold for a long time and gold has done nothing. Yeah. So finally, thank goodness, things are starting to move in our favour. Most clients have had a 5% weighting in gold in their portfolio, whether that's through the Newcrest, which potentially is it going to go through or not, who knows. Uh, but really then GOLD is an ETF that we use and it's been fantastic. So yeah, really happy to see that, really happy to see that um, 
people are now are looking at it as a hedge against one inflation, but also flight to safety, all of those kinds of things, which we've been talking about for mm. years and mm-hmm. really never came through. And now it's finally coming through. So it's, yeah, it's great. So strategically, do you just hold on to that 5% so. rating? I think so. You've got all these problems with the banks in the US. You've got all this uncertainty. Even, I mean, Europe's the only one that's really actually doing really well at the moment. All their luxury brands are actually doing really well. But um, yeah, all this uncertainty in the US, um, it is it is a great way to play that defensive part of the portfolio. So really comfortable, yeah, with it. Do you agree, disagree? Oh, I agree, absolutely. And I actually do miss this conversation and we're having each other in person for so long. That's right. I remember, you know, maybe 18 months, yeah. four months ago, we're talking Easy. about gold and price keeps going yeah. lower. But we say you always have to have some gold in your portfolio. Absolutely. It's great diversification. It's defensive. And now, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity. I think it's still not too late to buy some gold in the portfolio. You yeah. have to have them in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably think you, if you were to trade it, you, mm. you potentially look to be buying some now, but you'd look towards the end of the year. Obviously, if interest rates start to come off a little bit, growth starts to that that Mm. starts to talk again. Then gold will come back. So potentially, there's a good six months still that gold will continue to do well. And you're still invested in the big gold miners here locally. Yeah, I think it's interesting. So I think uh, Northern Star is looking very interesting because when Newcrest does leave the index, there'll be a lot of money now flowing on to Northern Star. So do you think Newcrest is going to go? I think Ferb's going to turn around. Yeah, look, there might be some challenges there. I still would put 60, 70% chance of going through. So, but if I was a holder of Newcrest, I actually would put my money now into Northern Star. Yeah, well, the big big miners need to take Newcrest because Mm. they've got mine lives for sort of six to seven years. Newcrest Mm. has got a mine life of 20 years. Mm. So they really need to keep that production going and Newcrest is perfect for it. Mm. So yeah, but FERB I think will be the issue. I'm not too sure how that's going to roll. Well, (laughs) I could just leave it up to these guys. (laughs) Let me just bring us on to the stock of the day. So I put out a little shout out on Twitter because to be honest, I didn't really know what to pick. There's not a lot of corporate news out today. Of course, we've got the banks, but we'll be talking about the banks in the body of this program. So thank you to Dave. Thank you to Hari, thank you to Luke Curvy. Don't think that's your real name. And, uh, you know, there was, there was a really great response. Of course, I had to pick one. So I just went with the guy who got in first. And it happens to be Mark Gardner from Macro Capital, one of our regulars. <laughs> but, you know, I'm agnostic. So uh, he picked GrainCorp because GrainCorp is reporting next week. So let's get the view from, uh, we'll start with you, Jim Bay. GrainCorp, um, we've talked about. Um, you know, it had a really sort of great run. Mm, absolutely. Um, what are you expecting? Look, I think the result will be strong, uh, but that's not the point. I think, you know, Grain Corp, as you mentioned, has benefited from this, um, you know, wet well, wet season, wet weather, um, because the increased volume and then as well as, um, you know, last year where we had the war, they, you know, the price of the grain went through the roof. So they have benefited from a lot of abnormal seasonality and things. Um, so from here on, everything I read is saying that we're heading into a drier environment yes. now, drier and hotter. So, you know, the, the earning has a long way to fall for this company. It's very cyclical. A lot of people will ask that it has changed and, you know, it's better. But I just think it's it's going to be much harder when, you know, the volume start to fall and when you start cycling some strong volume like what they have achieved. Yeah. Oh, well, I was going to say, but the share price is down yeah. significantly this year. So could it look that, like value? So there is value there. But w- what we're seeing is the same as elders. You know, last year it was as good as it was going to get mm. for all the ag stocks. They just, you know, they were looking price to perfection. Everything was great. And then from there, you've just seen this consistent selling down on the back of that. Yes, the, the weather's been really positive And then we're going into El Nino, whatever, whatever the whatever it's yeah. called, the dry side El of Nino. the cycle. Yeah. 
So, you know, that is going to really affect GrainCorp as well as a lot of these other ones. So I think last year was as good as it's going to get. And so the market is readjusting to these uh, numbers. I think the numbers are going to look great because yeah. the winter crops and we've still got a good winter crop this year coming through as well. But um, yeah, I, yeah, last year was as good as it gets. So I'd be cautious on GrainCorp now. I would hold it uh, if, you, if you have it but I wouldn't be putting fresh capital uh, into that. I think there's better places to be. Mm, I would definitely hold it until the result because the result will be good. They might have some capital management and the like. So, um, yeah. but I think it, that that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Probably the last best result. All right. Thanks guys. That's the stock of the day. You're welcome, Mark Gardner. We'll see you in the studio at some time soon, no doubt. <laughs> Let's get to oh, just a bit of a, bit of a, a take on what we'll be talking about. So Macquarie, for those of you who did want to talk about Macquarie, there you go. Westpac as well. We're in bank reporting season, don't forget. We heard from the ANZ today. Big Tin Can in the smaller end of the market. Fluence as well. And Omni Bridgeway. All of those companies coming up and nominated by you. Uh, let's start then, shall we? Uh, we'll get to Macquarie Group, which is first on the list. Uh, reported out today record results. Mm. It's hard to knock it. A lot of the strength coming from the commodity business. One was the Macquarie Asset Management. Mm. I mean, that was mm. down on year. So when you look at the Macquarie result, where did, did you just go to that top line, the headline? Oh, look, you look through every division and just incredible. They deliver strong commodity trading results, yeah. result after result after mm. result. This is the third result we said it's as good as it gets. And now they gave guidance and saying next year will be somewhat similar. Mm. So, you know, it's an incredible business. Great result. I think it was fantastic. Outlook, some saying oh, a little bit, um, you know, below consensus, maybe in the low single digit downgrade. But that was really just, um, cautious, uh, you know, conservatism by the management. She does it every single year. They always do <laughs> Every it. single year. And the first yeah. time she did it, share price down 10%. But now just less of a reaction now because they have upgraded throughout the year for the last couple of years. And we do expect this is a very conservative guidance. So, you know, um, you can't really fault the result. It was a really good result. Oh. Um, and if anything, you know, out of the whole banking system, this will be a standout buy. Um, has a history of under-promising and over-delivering right. too. Absolutely. Yep. Do you mind that as an investor? Uh, we love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important because if you don't manage expectations well, you may have a good result, but if everyone else is expecting you to do even better, then your share price goes down, yep. <laughs> which is not great. Yep. It's a lot of with some of those growth companies. They always, you know, ex the market expects that they're going to mm. get 10 to 15, 20, 30% growth, and they get 30% growth, mm. but it wasn't 31, it wasn't 32, it wasn't 35. They and, didn't and share beat. price go down. And, and then, but still yeah. grew 30%. Yeah. yeah. So is right. it a buy at $177? It's a buy. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a buy. Net profit, uh, the, the impact was good. Revenue was up considerably, uh, um, and costs were a little bit higher, up 12.5%. The market was a little bit, I think that's probably where, but most costs are going up everywhere yeah, else like, as well. That's just across the board. Yeah, so I don't... So it's not a reflection of no, anything. No, so you yeah. sort of strike that out of it. ROE at 16.9. I mean, look, you find many other businesses that are going to give you that ROE closer to that 20 mark, I think is, is, is really good. Macquarie Asset Management, their commodity business was good. Um, overall, a great result. Dividend was higher. Um, yep, I can't say much more. Anything under $180, I'm a buyer and we're right there at the moment. Got it. Thank you. Okay, uh, now let's get to the next stock on our list, which is Westpac. We're keeping with the banking theme. So Westpac reports on Monday, comes in the wake of <clears throat> NAB. We saw huge selling in NAB on the day of its result. Yeah. Mm. ANZ was being bought, mm. uh, you know, today. So what are you expecting for Westpac? And um, 
it, it, I guess you'll never know how the market will react because it, it depends on the day. It depends on what's going on in U.S. banks now. Everything. It, you're so absolutely right, and also relative to what everyone else yeah. expects. So you know, it comes down to the expectations. That was down a lot yesterday. Was really because uh, everyone was bec- uh, well. Most analysts become complacent. They thought NAB would manage the margin better, um, and they couldn't fight that headwind. Right. So there's just yep. so much mortgage competition. There's so much um, challenges on that front, and it's that's why it disappointed. Downgrade today, we saw between eight to ten percent. Mm-hmm. Um, but should the share price fall that much? Not really. It was yeah. really just because yeah. everyone was surprised. Um, and uh, market don't like surprises; they sell and um, before they actually do their work. Now, yesterday, most of the banks were fallen, have fallen uh, in sympathy. So it kind of cushions somewhat the weak result that is to come. Um, you know, ANZ re- result is okay today. Missed a little bit, mm-hmm. but we all know margin is going to be weak. And um, yeah. uh, Westpac, we think, is going to produce very similar sort of result. Continue pressure in terms of margin. Margin um, and um, you know, but everything else seems to be still doing okay. Mm. Combank next week is going to give similar sort of outlook, um, and I think you know, market they ho- they have already derated in the last couple of months. I do think um, these companies sort of looking more neutral-ish in terms of you know, maybe soon you can start stepping back in um, because our economy, as we looked at it, it's not as bad as what everyone else is, is expecting. So that's yeah. sort of a hold if you've got a West a hold, pack. Yeah, you're neutral on the banks though right now. You reckon you might be able to get them cheaper? I think you can get them cheaper. Um, I would say um, Macquarie will be the standout buy in that whole mm-hmm. space. A domestic bank is going to get harder, but they just sits in that sort of neutral space. But when they do get sold off, opportunities, you know, in the last few days, I think it looks interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So within the the, the Westpac result, it was really about the um, their business lending, which I think surprised a lot of people that it was. Westpac's coming up next week. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. We're, we're talking about ANZ. No. Well, hang on. What, which bank are we talking about? We're talking about Westpac. Westpac. Right now. Sorry, my apologies. That's okay. Westpac's a buy. Okay. I, Westpac's actually, a buy. Yeah, I'm buying the banks at the moment. I'm actually taking advantage of all of this dip, all this fall that's happening at the moment. Absolutely, I'm taking advantage of it. Because you want your clients to be postured defensively, don't they already have a lot of the banks? They do have a lot of the banks, but um, we did do a fair bit of selling last year when C. Uh, Sorry, this year when CBA came out. Yep. So that's what gave us the impetus to sort of take some money off the table because we did see that net interest margins last year, November last year, was probably the best they've ever been. Mm-hmm. And so the sell-off, so we were taking money out. Now happy to start continuing to buy Got it. some of those. So, but yeah, um, it, the, the banking side of things, I think overall net interest margins are, are under control. Everybody says the banks are the worst, you know, if you put them all together in a 10-year period, they're all pretty bad. Um, what happens is, is then when we get these big drawdowns of Silicon Valley Bank and all these kinds of things, our banks actually stand out globally for as something that is a really good idea, or a good bank, and as well as a good buy. So, I'm comfortable with the defensiveness Got of it. the banks. Now, I don't know if it was the effect of the call, and I'm being facetious, of course, people. But um, Macquarie <laughs> Group is now trading in positive territory, so buyers have moved in in the past <laughs> ten minutes go. or so. Right. The power. I'm kidding. All right, let's get to a very small company. So this is Big Tin Can. Look, it took me a while to get my head around what it does, but what it does do is it provides uh, sales forces a platform in which they can come together. There's content on there. They can get trained up. They can communicate um, through this platform. Um, do you like Big Tin Can? I think the challenge is, um, you know, this is one of those companies that still, 
I think it's moving towards a cash flow positive. So it's one of those unprofitable tech with very high growth. Um, and, um, you know, so that, you know, you need to see the cash flow come through. Um, it is a very small market cap. They do have a little bit of cash balance to help them through this period. Now, it is a very high growth company. Um, 80% of its revenue come from the US. Um, and um, uh, the, the, the challenge is there used to be a quite, quite a nice group of investors supporting the growth of this company. And then they had a um, very dilutive capital raising um, for not great reason. Um, so it's sort of really scared of the investors of why you're doing so. Um, but clearly, company understand, you know, the money is harder to come by in terms of capital. You want to shore up the balance sheet. Um, so, yeah, so for me, it's wait and see. Um, I think it's just still too early for a business like that and too early for the market to be jumping back into the unprofitable tech businesses. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's more wait and see, um, avoid at the moment. Okay. Mm. Um, look, yeah, I remember that cap raise. Um, when you've got some questions around corporate governance, does that just immediately get put in the too hard basket for you, Adam? Uh, yes and no. I think corporate governance, say for the likes of something like a downer, mm-hmm. yes, definitely you just you just move away from it because you just don't want to be there and there's, there's systemic problems inside the business which you need to be careful of. Um, so this one is a, obviously a smaller company, higher growth, and then the market definitely liked that growth side of things. Um, until it didn't. Until it didn't. And that's why if you looked at a sort of a five-year chart, you can see how the market really loved this thing. You couldn't do anything wrong. And now we're down at 40 cents and it's really sort of struggling. Um, they are a market leader in their channels. So they do do quite well there. Their, um, their ARR, their reoccurring revenue is okay, but it still needs to grow. And that's probably where you'd look to for this business. So it's a hold from me, but you'd look for this business and make sure that reoccurring revenue is starting to tick up and starting to move. And that's when you can start to look at it. So there you go, look at that, you know, double top if you've ever seen one. And um, yeah, now back to 40 cents. So I'm I'm okay with the business because it has a huge market in the US. It's um, total accessible market is around $3 billion. So it's it's massive if they can do it. Plus they've got this nice little product called Brain Shark. Uh, which is an interesting one. And if they can get that right, the execution will be critical. And that would be one of the reasons why they'll move forward uh, into this space. So watch it, but I wouldn't be putting any fresh money in at the moment. Okay. I wonder, do you guys, when you're thinking about these tech companies, are you concerned about the pullback of enterprise spending as well, if we start to see a US recession? Because this is not necessarily mission critical kind of stuff that you need for your business. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think probably about uh, nine months ago, we started looking at, well, actually probably 12 months ago, we started looking at um, any um, companies or tech companies operating that whole tech supply chain. Um, because this is one, you know, I think March last year, all the US tech companies said we're cutting staff. And then we keep getting new rounds of cuts yeah. and everything else. So anyone placing that supply chain is going to be impacted. This is why I'm probably more enterprise into other areas, but still it's not mission critical. Um, uh, it may, you know, get cut. So things would get a little bit harder, um, and maybe there's just a little bit less staff as well to really use some of those products. So it's definitely heading into a much tougher environment, especially in the US. Okay, let's get on to just so that time doesn't get too far away from us to the next company that's been nominated by our viewers. This has been picked by Rex. Rex, don't forget, information only. This is not financial advice, and it's certainly not tailored to your own particular circumstance. So you do need to do your own research or get advice. But it's Fluence Corp, FLC, is the ticker code. Now, I'm just going 
by memory, but this is a water company, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Um, water is one of those big themes that people are sure talking is. about now. So it's, it's a business where it uses brown water, um, it uses wastewater uh, to recycle, to put it out there and, and um, yeah, put it back into the gardens. And where I live in Maroubra, they did a massive, uh, they built, they took up half the parkland area and put one of these uh, oh, really? sis- w- wastewater systems inside there. By fluent. Yeah. Oh. And to take all of the wastewater that's running from down the hills and around mm-hmm. the place to then put that back into the gardens and things. So it's fantastic as far as... Uh, a business and got that green ESG sort of touch to it as well. But it does have those lower margins, which I think you've got to be really careful of. And it is lumpy and does have some irregular contracts. So again, you've got to be a little bit careful with these contracts that even though it should have been booked on the June 29, it gets booked on July the 1st, it's really a miss, but really the revenue is still coming in. So I think those lumpy contracts you've got to be careful of. The ESG or the, the green side of things should really keep it moving forward. They do have the proven technology, but after all that, I'm going to say it's a sell. I don't think you need to be there. Yeah, because that chart that we had up was pretty ugly looking. <laughs> low, and also low low liquidity. So someone like Jumbay wants to go in and sort of buy this thing. You just you, you walk away from it straight Absolutely, away. You yeah. won't even touch it. Yeah, you see a lot of microcap funders struggling at the moment because there's no interest in any of those little yeah. companies because there's no liquidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And you were shaking your head. You would not be buying this one. Yeah, look, it, it sounds really interesting. I think it's just way too, a little bit speculative at this point. Just looking through a, a thematic is all great and everything else. Aside from the low liquidity and everything else, the, the, it's a very small company, lumpy contracts. And then, yeah, it's in many countries. Yeah. Um, in so many countries. Yeah. And, how, and it's, it's, I think it's yet to be cash flow break even. It's getting very close to it. So how do you manage all of that? seems like they've got one contract in this country, another two in some other country. It's all over the place. It costs money to service those. So I'm just not sure about the strategy. Probably need to see a bit more, you know, more mature contracts, um, yeah. actually delivering a lot of cash flows before, you know, you can actually look at it seriously. So you would sell it? Yeah. 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 No need to be in it. Opportunity cost. you know, everybody's got a finite amount of money that they can put into the market. And this is something that's come up a couple of times this week. So I will ask you both. Um, look, is there any need to hold 60 stocks, you know, 40 stocks, 20 stocks, like when you're thinking about obviously building and Mm. constructing your funds and your portfolios, I mean, how concentrated are you, Jimmy? I'm a very diversified portfolio. So because I do both long short, I actually have 100 positions. Uh, But now when we talk about core positions, it's probably somewhere between 30 and 40 positions. Mm. So I think you need to at least have 30 and 40 to diversify. Don't hold 20. It's way too concentrated. You do need to buy a bit of everything, a little bit of gold, a little bit tech, a little bit something, a little bit healthcare, a little bit something else. That's how you diversify away some of the risk that unnecessary risk that's um, that's in stock picking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you mm. what do you sort of use as a rule of thumb, if at all? Yeah. So we're we're sort of around that twenty twenty five. Uh, we deal with a lot more retail clients, yeah. and so we don't have a billion dollars to invest. But um, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. keep in mind who we're speaking with. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, exactly. I'll just buy whatever's interesting. Let's <laughs> just buy them. Buy that. Uh, so no, we, we sort of we, we yeah we are concentrated, but also you know if if you've got two thousand dollars in in one share. Are you really getting any value at all? You know, so you have to think of your, your portfolio size, and then you can diversify. And you can diversify by using ETFs, index ETFs, or some actively managed ones, which will give you that spread that Jumbay is talking about. That'll give you all of those uh, companies in one uh, share. So um, for us, yeah, it's about 20, 25 stocks, five percent weighting. 
trying to sort of diversify out and then core holdings yeah is sort of the you know resources and 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 the banks and all those kinds of things so that's what we look at thank you thanks for indulging me and uh, our viewers as well because it's great to get a bit of strategy in there where we can okay let's get to number five on our list and this is omni bridgeway this is for anton thanks for watching or listening anton so omni bridgeway this is a litigator um, it used to be Bentham, yeah. IMF Bentham IMF, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, uh, what do you make of it? I'm going to make it really easy. Stay clear of it. Yeah. Don't go anywhere near it. Sort of binary outcomes, right? Uh, yeah, and lumpy contracts again. You know, so you're worried about that, that revenue coming in, hitting uh, in these class actions. Look, um, they can go on for a long time. And, you know, there's a lot of work that goes on in the background, getting all these shareholders, getting them all sorted. And then they get a result. But... Really, the, the end customer doesn't get much. These guys, Omni Bridgeway, potentially get a bit, but it's very lumpy and it's very, uh, those contracts just, yeah, take forever. I don't think you need to be there. And it's been a pretty disappointing stock over the last six months to a year. Yeah, and, and I mean, why are these companies listed? <laughs> uh, look, it's the promise of the big future, um, <laughs> like, yeah. like most companies. But I remember covering this company maybe even um, 20 years ago. It's been listed for a very long time. Yeah. It's always promised the same thing. So, you know, I have all these uh, litigation on my books and then, you know, 90% will come through in the next 12 months. And it's very close. And you know, I just been told that for so long. The challenge is every time when it does come through, um, it's very exciting. Share price rally for, you know, 10% and suddenly um, they um, they will then go invest in another case and then so the money's gone and then uh, you know and, and then they're trying to create bigger portfolio but the challenge is you know all the probability of what things working out never really work out the way you expect so mm-hmm. it's a very difficult stock what's interesting though last five or last five years they try to create this new asset class like a new fund manager um, so they literally charge something like a 3% base fee and then they get a big performance fee as in you know when they do get the payoff and they went to the US market thinking this will be the way to go we raise fund so it's our own money we'll put it in and it will raise it from institutional investor and this is like a diversifying way from fund managers yeah. um, and they actually managed to raise quite a bit of money but then looking at the share prices clearly <laughs> the low case suit, lawsuit is still not coming through they have taken on a lot so they have to spend a lot so they're funding all these lawyers um, but it just the legal case is not coming through mm-hmm. they're fighting some of the biggest companies and the biggest company what they do is they drag things out yeah. they get you to pay for it so you know it's, it's a long battle maybe eventually they get there but you know i wouldn't put my money in mm-hmm. okay good so that is a sell or an avoid yeah we'll call avoid. it that yeah don't put your new money in there all right we are well we've already got to number five on the list so let's l- review what we've learned so far grain corp it does report next thursday that was the stock of the day uh, adam says there's just better places to be there's no need to be in grain corp when they've already been through a pretty favorable cycle and you know that it's very determined by weather so hey look el, el nino is knocking don't be there um and uh well jimbe expects it to report quite well um you could even see some capital management in there again she would just be holding it not putting any new money in to Macquarie, and we started the program off on this Friday with a bang. It's a double buy. Both of our guests like this one a lot, not really putting a foot wrong. Um, can't fault the result, is what Jumbe said. Now, Adam's happy to buy Macquarie at any point under 180, and that's where it's sitting today. Westpac, it is a buy for Adam. You heard why. They sold out some of their exposure to the banks in the wake of the CBA result, but they are getting back in. It's defensive. 
I suppose, income as well. Absolutely. And uh, look, Jume is just watching the pressure on the margins. It's very competitive. We've already heard from NAB. We've heard from ANZ. She expects you know, Westpac to report largely in line. So she's neutral on the banks, although she would hold Westpac if you have it. Big tin can, watch the annual recurring revenue, um, but it's just a watch for Adam. He wouldn't be buying it right now, and it's an avoid for June Bay. Don't put your money in. It's unprofitable tech. That is unattractive. Number four is Fluence. Adam knows this technology. It's uh, used in his suburb, but low margins, lumpy contracts, low liquidity. He would sell it, and it's a sell for June Bay as well. Um, it's got too many balls in the air, even perhaps geographically, to really knock the ball out of the park in any one of those. Omni Bridgeway, it's a sell for both of my guests. No need to be there. You heard why. So we're halfway. Uh, let's sum it up for you. We've got our investment committee. It actually met recently. It's a brand new episode that's up online now. And in fact, we're going to be playing it out for you on the stream. Uh, today at three o'clock. So if you've missed it, you can watch it at three or catch up online. Uh, so going into this month, we saw, oh boy, a percent trimmed from Macquarie, from West Farmers, from Elders as well. But we added some to WiseTech, MA Financial, and a bit more into our cash bucket. And Aspermont was replaced by Kelsian Group. So that travel and tourism group, well, it's travel tourism, but it also wins a lot of sort of municipal contracts for, um, well, for, for transport, public transport. So let's see how the portfolio is performing. So, so far, fund is up 8.1% on a cumulative return basis since its inception. So keep sending your requests in. This program acts as the filter. And so Macquarie, if it's not already in there, I can't remember if it is. It is. It is. Okay. So thanks, Adam. <laughs> um, it will be uh, considered yet again. So maybe they'll increase the weighting. We will see. Oh, yeah, that's right. They trimmed the weighting. Maybe they'll increase it. We'll see. Uh, coming up, we've got Aussie Ethical. We've got Bluebet. We have Super. For retail group which actually updated this week so we'll get yourselves across that and dicker data helios as well a bit of an update on the acl offer out there for helios but um first of all for tracy australian ethical investments um this one really divides yes. the market because yes. you know the share price is not done well but it continues to attract funds under management you've always told me june bay Follow, follow the, the funds. funds. Uh, but the challenge is it was so expensive, <laughs> this company. I think, I still remember, was it 12 months ago, 18 months ago, it yeah. was trading at $14. Um, it was trading on the most expensive, as the most expensive fund manager ever <laughs> listed. Yeah. And uh, it was great shorting opportunity. Yeah. Um, but um, but now since has created, but still looks quite expensive. Um, it's at 35 times PE. Um, you know, if you look, it's a, it's a great manager with great fund performance. It's just too expensive. Um, maybe it deserved the premium. I, I just think it's very difficult to see it outperform in the environment where every other fund manager trading in close 10, 12 times. Mm -hmm. mm. So the fund's definitely coming in, though. You're right. Like uh, they did the update, and they had uh, superannuation and and mm. uh, you know international. It, it's positive. Like so, it, it is good, but it's just too expensive, and it, it really just goes on the coattails of being a green mm. ethical yes, fund. Yes. Mm. 
And so people see the headline Australian Ethical Fund and so they're like, great, I'm going to invest in that when they really don't actually sort of scratch a little bit below the surface and find out what's going on and, and hence why it's so expensive. And remember, they did do a one for 100 split oh, they did, uh, yeah. 12, 18 months ago. That's why that last chart looked so weird. Yeah, so it should it, theoretically, I mean, it's at three. Yeah, so it, it was a $300 stock and, you know, 400, it, it was, you know, it looked like, and so hence they reduced it down trying to get all more retail people in. Um, but that still didn't help it. And obviously, when you look at these things, um, I've looked at some of their fund, uh, their, their stocks in there, and it, it can be a little bit um, wh- whether they are that, that ethical or not, you know, so. Well, they recently dumped Lendlease right. because they were trying to okay. engage with Lendlease over a koala habitat. Mm. And, and then, you know, they copped a lot of criticism for holding Lendlease still, right. but they had figured that it was best to engage. Mm. Um, to see if they could, you know, drive change, but not fast not enough. Fast. So they actually got out of yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, It's a pretty interesting story. I mean, they've got quite the advertising campaign. I feel like everywhere I look, yeah. Aussie Ethical is being advertised. Yeah, mm. I agree. So yeah, they've got the funds just too expensive. If you really wanted to, you could put your money, I guess, into Aussie Ethical rather than buying the shares. I think that's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Uh, let's get to Bluebet. So Bluebet is one of these companies that is uh, obviously a betting company. It's in the name. It says what it does on the tin. But correct me if I'm wrong, it too is starting to go after the U.S. market as well. Yes. That's that's difficult. Just look at PointsBet, right? Look at them all. <laughs> <It's not True>. just, <laughs> they've all really, really suffered. And the problem is, is with the U.S. is that each individual state, you have to get across the line. So you've got 52 states. So it's not like Australia where we're going into Australia and we can, or New Zealand, and we can get everything. Each individual state has to be uh, lobbied and actually go through. So that U.S. strategy is still yet unproven for these guys as well. They are a small player in a very competitive market for online wagering, and they have limited profitability at this uh, at a group level as well. So I'd be cautious on this one. I think BET might be a better one um, for um, a light bet because they're the, the, the system that sits behind. So it's the infrastructure. Yeah. So this is Betmakers, by the way, that he's yeah, talking BET, about, BET. Yeah. So that, that, that seems better. There's more picks and shovels, I guess, of the, of the online world. That would be a better play than being in the front end, uh, which is these guys. So, yeah, I think it's an avoid from me. But um, proponents of the company would say it's such a huge addressable market. You know, they don't sports bet legally like we do here in yeah. Australia, but mm. it is being opened up. Uh, yeah. It's not tempting. No, because um, when you look at our uh, betting area, we're big on horses um, and and. and well, some cricket or, you know. Footy? You bet on footy? I don't know. Footy, yeah, you do. But in America, it's just a totally different market. Horse racing is nothing. And it's all about the basketball. It's all about the the American football, those kinds of things. And whenever anybody comes to me and says, my totable accessible, accessible market is X, that doesn't mean anything to me because really, even if you get 1%, look, that sounds like it's a great uh, um, win. But really, at the end of the day, um, you, you need to put a lot of money, a lot of sales force, a lot of people in there, and there's a lot of cost that needs to go in before you can actually make any any business or money out of this. So I'd just be really cautious. And yes, there's a massive market there, 
but there's been a lot of other people that have put a lot more money into this thing and have gotten no, nowhere. And I think this is the same thing for these guys, a very small cap market. It's so interesting. Mm. What does it say about us that one of our biggest exports to the US is, is betting technology yeah. and, and... Well, we do a lot of the quad, the Cornellas and all these sort of fancy yeah. things, which they don't do. Yeah. So that fixed odds betting and all those kinds of things. So it's, it's this new technology that's going out there. But the Americans don't really understand that either. And so then it's 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 a very, very different market. Yeah. You know, just Not American for the record, but it was, and it's a long time ago now, but I remember when I first moved to Australia just being, like, it just wasn't in my vernacular that you yeah. would be betting like yeah. this. It just seemed very, 100%. very, very odd. Yeah, but would you, would you bet on... Um, blue bet. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, I think you know we've we've learned from the example of points bet. It is difficult. It's uh, that market. Um, points bet has been winning every state, well, yeah. a few states yeah. with losses. So if you just run a single state, you will lose money based on how much you have to bid for it because you come against some of the biggest pocket players there in the US, yeah. and you just run out of money. Now, you, and you need to win many states so that you can benefit from marketing. You know, synergy across the marketing across different states. And if you don't get that quite frankly you're not gonna make any money you'll be loss making for I don't know how long um, so it's a very difficult market and for a new player uh, trying to go in and do it again um, after all these states are already legalized um, yeah. you know I just think it would be very very challenging like if you got a Vegas kind of you know if you yeah. had a you know one of the big MGM or one of those guys that mm, sort mm. of said let's partner up and sort of what points bet Point did, that, trying, you yeah. know they tried to do that mm. Kings Draftway all of these online guys but they can just squash you at any time. I mean, mm. the, the, the margins are so razor thin, the handles that they use are so razor thin that you have to get the volume coming through. And if you're trying to do horse racing, like I said, it's not really huge over there. So mm. it just doesn't fit the um, the vernacular of, uh, of the US and it just yeah, wouldn't be somewhere that I'd be putting my money. Is there a cap raise going on with points bet right now? I seem to recall that its shares rose significantly on Monday, but yeah, maybe that's one to watch. Um, okay, so we are staying away from those betting companies that are looking to make a, a splash in the US. Just as a question without notice, um, you guys still positive on um, Aristocrat? Oh, I think it's uh, it's still doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. the result that's coming um, is yeah. going to be pretty strong. I think online might be a little bit slow somewhat, but the offline business is really flying. Yeah, that's right. Mm. It does report out of cycle. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm comfortable with it. Mm. Um, we've, we put a lot of money into it. We're holding it now, waiting for that sort of that mm. turnaround. Um, we've had a really good base on the stock as well. It's been moving sideways. so mm. And it tried to hit above 30 or $40 the other day, so it tried to hit up. But then sort of come back down. I think yeah, it's I'm still comfortable with it. Okay, so yeah. holding Aristocrat. There you go. Not quite a bonus buy, but just something to think about, guys. We haven't got a bonus buy yet. All right, now we get to. Oh, super... we can get bonus buys if you want. Come on, let's <laughs> do it. We're in the retail space next. Let's see if we can get one here. Super retail. This is for Tony SUL. No, it came out this week, and of course, it has the different divisions. It has um, BCA. BCL, the camping one. Yep. Yeah, yep. sorry, BCA. Um, BCA. And, but it did warn that consumer spending is slowing. And I think it also warned that it won't be able to necessarily roll out its stores at the pace that it had been expecting again. Because why? Because rising costs and some of the you know supply chain issues and everything else. So was that uh, just uh, you know an expression that even those retailers that were sort of looked as being more resilient perhaps mm. won't now that we're watching rates continue to go higher? Yeah, look, absolutely. So um, uh, I still call it super cheap. Um, yeah. So they are still, um, I would say this uh, this retailer is one of the biggest beneficiary of COVID. So people, you know, lock at home and, you know, 
boating and camping and doing all of that and driving uh, and then also athletic wear so MacPack you know doing incredibly well people's Rebel. very health conscious yeah Rebel, all of that has been huge beneficiary of that if you compare the margin this is a mature retailer so you know remember that so for if you compare the margin currently compared to pre-COVID it's way above so you know and then it's been um, you know there's many people waiting been waiting for the sale to start slow down uh, we didn't see it in the previous result but now this update we are seeing the sales start to slow down and the expenses are now started you know going up and we see the margin start to fall now still above the pre-COVID level so to me in a slowing consumer environment and they cycling still big comps um, you know it, it's not a cost, uh, stock you want to hold you want to sell it Especially if you've made a bit of money through this. Oh, you made a lot period. of money in this well, one. Well, yeah. Rebel Sport got a whole bunch of my money when uh, football season started. <laughs> I really begrudged that. Um, I think I might, yeah, anyhow, moving on. I, I'd, I'd sort of say that the Life for Life sales weren't too bad this mm. last quarter, up 9%. Like, you know, Life for Life, that's, that's fantastic numbers. Um, but I totally agree with Jim Bay. There is two, the cut, the the comps are moving in the wrong direction and it coincides with a lot of headwind, a lot of headwinds going forward. So I'd be really cautious on this one. I'm going to stay neutral on it. I'm not going to say sell, um, but maybe I should because that discretionary spend is definitely going to dry up. So I'd be cautious on that. And the, the margins are definitely coming under pressure. The discounting is going to start to have to happen. Mm. We know that Mac, MacPac had a good record Easter uh, um, with higher sales but they can't shift to less discretionary products. So like, I don't know how they're gonna sort of defend those margins going forward. So I'm talking myself out of it. I'm gonna say it's a sell. Oh, wow, okay, <laughs> yeah. so we have. I, I'm, I was always neutral on it, but looking at that chart, it sort of tried to get up a couple of times and then it's failed. So yeah, I think, I think it's a sell. Um, even though fantastic businesses, Rebel, MacPac, BCF, all very, very good. Um, I just think that uh, they have to either roll out new stores, which is going to cost a lot more money, um, or defend, or try and get some less discretionary products in there, which I just don't think that they can do. Yeah. That. It's, it's like, really it's all square discretionary. In, yeah. in that discretionary I space. I mean, it may be super cheap auto. Uh, all of it's not discretionary. So let's talk retail. Mm. Would you be in any discretionary retail? Look, we've been in the um, La Visa for quite some time, and it's it's been doing incredibly well. Now, um, net net, I do feel I'm um, you know probably a bit profit taking on some take trimming some in terms of La Visa, but I think it's a retailer that is still growing. It's younger demographic. Yep. Your store rollout, it, you know, you want to be in the ro- international. retailer international yeah. store rollout, which is just growth avenue. So that's one retailer we like. Um, but across other areas, just really really tough. Harvey Norman is going to have a very tough update. Um, you know. Housing related things are very, very tough. Uh, Super G, we started seeing that taking place. JB Hi-Fi res- uh, report was actually okay. Oh, Again, so they top did line that trading okay. update. That was at That's the right. conference as That's well. That's right. Yeah. So the trading update is okay. So one thing about JB is interesting. I actually think it's looking interesting because yes, things will slow down and everything. Yep. Uh, like you said, everyone expects uh, JB's revenue to go down, uh, go backwards significantly next year. Now, I do think the expectations is actually quite low for JB Hi-Fi. Um, at the same time, we saw the trading update is showing um, Consumer electronics accelerate, re-accelerated. Mm. Mm. So, which is very interesting, which is reversed to what SuperTube has disclosed. Yeah. So, you know, I think also looking ahead next 12 months, we will have immigration, we have some tourists, we have all of these people coming through um, over the next two years, right? So um, there will be consumer electronics demand. So that is a very interesting you know, space to look at and it's not expensive, good balance sheet, good dividend yield. So uh, not a buy yet, but I think it's something I'll be watching, you know, mm-hmm. over the next few months, you have more sell-off 
across that space in my look. Yeah, because it'll get caught up in the broader sense. Oh, absolutely. And even yeah. when we saw the Apple results last mm. month mm. or last night, mm. you know, it, mm. people are still spending. Yeah, that's right. People are spending. Yeah. These, uh, it was the good guys, I think, that let down Jane yeah, Hi Fi. That was right, down yeah. like three or four percent, but Life for Like sales across the board was up 0.8. So mm. it's actually holding its head above water mm-hmm. at the moment. I think City Chic, CCX, is probably one Whoa. that I yeah. like. Okay, because uh, it's been there. so hard hit. Brett Blundy's took another stake in it just last week. He's up oh. to 9.9% of the stock. He did make a takeover play for, and the name escapes me. Um, uh, best and Less. Best and he Less. He took, took over he the did, 60% yeah. stake. Yeah. Right. That he was ha- just this week. That's yeah. right. So he had to make his intentions known because mm. obviously he's over a 20% mark. Mm. He's a very, very smart retailer. Mm. He knows exactly what he's doing. So Solly Lou and, and Brett uh, Blundy, uh, Bundy, uh, uh, Blundy, the, yeah. Blundy are the two that are, you sort of follow in that space. I think City Sheet looks interesting down here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just uh, as a PS, yeah. staples, because again, we had updates from Coles and Woolworths. Uh, food inflation is coming off, uh, talking about a trade down to value, talking yep. about, you know, the fact that people won't be going out to eat as much as eating in. And they're classic defensive stocks, but were you willing to pay for it? No. We're calling them expensive <laughs> defensives. Yeah, they're very expensive. At the moment. And mm. so, but I do like that trade down story. And I think that trade down story is going to last for another six to eight months. So potentially you could look at something like that. Woolies does look expensive up here, but I think it's going to hold up here. I don't, I, you know, and basket sizes are increasing. Life for like sales was 6% or something for Woolies and Coles, where they should be around two to three. So we can see that actually people are spending more money at the supermarket, staying at home. That trend down, that, that downtrend is also going to follow on. Um, so, but yeah, it looks a bit tough, Woolies and Coles at these levels. Well, what about Metcash then? Well, uh, challenges, it's very cheap, it's like 12 times, huge, maybe a little bit more, but mm. huge discount to the other two. But the big challenge is they do have a result coming up. Oh, they, ju- oh, they have a result coming yeah, up. Yeah, I so I think the result will be, um, you know, will be pretty good. But they do have a hardware division yes. where, you know, it's very exposed to trades and the like. So I do think that area you'll start seeing a bit of crack on that front. So, you know, and, and then this, it's a it's supermarket business very linked to the food inflation. So um, because it only gets the volume, you know, it gets a margin on right. the overall price. So it's much more leverage compared to the likes of, you know, Woolworth and Coles. And in that falling environment, inflation coming off, um, you know, the earning will fall quite rapidly. Right. So it's a lower quality of supermarkets. I'll be a bit cautious mm-hmm. there. I'd buy Amcor, mm. even with the downgrade that we saw the other day. Um, they still were able to raise their prices and their dividend. It still was a downgrade. But if you're going to play the supermarkets, go a little bit further down, play the packaging side of things. Mm. It might be a better way to play it, especially Amcor? with the downgrade. Probably neutral. <laughs> you can disagree with me. You can disagree with me on that It's one. a little bit tough. Yeah, that, that, tough. Down, that yeah. downgrade was a little bit disappointing. Yeah. You know, Bramble was sitting in there, but Bramble just seems to got so much earnings momentum. They can put up prices because there's mm. not enough pallets. So mm. I, I guess on the other side, I'm sort of sitting in Bramble. Okay. Mm. There you go. Great <laughs> chat. All right, let's get to uh, Dicker Data. So this is a, a quality performer. People call it a tech company, but it's actually more of a tech supply company, correct? Yep, yep, absolutely. Supplying computers, screens, government to big government contracts um, and selling in servers and all those kinds of things. So um, one of the things that was a real issue with this business was that the owners owned about sort of 60 to 70% of it. And really it was low liquidity. You couldn't get it set in any of these things. And um, so that's been a a bit of an issue for it. I like the business. I think it's overall, I think everyone, no matter these large organizations will have to upgrade 
their servers, servers, their computers every three years or whatever. So if they're getting those big government contracts, it actually looks pretty good. Um, it looks like it's got some good support here around that sort of $8 level where it's back in 2019-20, it's sort of bumped up there. I think there's some good support there. Um, I, I'm going I'm to go out a limb and say it's a buy. Um, I, because of that renewal cycle that doesn't matter what the economy is doing, these businesses still need to keep updating their software and their data. And I think these guys are the number one in that space. But uh, you were talking about that supply chain in the tech space. Mm -hmm. Is Dicker data somehow more resilient or immune to um, some of the cutbacks that may happen? Yeah, I, I think I think they 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 are. I think they're okay um, because they are the best and they're the biggest the, yeah. you know, in what they do. I think they're fine. Now, what, what the problem previously is that it was a huge beneficiary of COVID because mm -hmm. everyone was setting up computers and all that. So the earning went through roof and the multiple went to like 34 times or something. And now the, since then, the price has fallen down because of, you know, there was a bit of a supply chain disruptions and everything, but that's all in the price now. So it's, you know, multiples back to 17 times. I think this is a great business um, and 17 times seems like a reasonable entry point mm. uh, for this company. Um, the Liquidity is a challenge if you're a large buyer. You know, I remember we tried to buy or sell this stock. It cost 20% to get in and 20% to get out. Wow. So it's very difficult for any institutional investor to buy. So it might need to grow to a certain size before it go to the next level, just yeah. because it's yeah, it's very mm -hmm. illiquid. So you wouldn't be able to buy very uh, on the fund, but would you buy it if you could as a retail investor? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So that's a double buy. Mm. Double buy. <laughs> that is going in the book. All right. Is that called a super buy? No. no. Super buy was just a very temporary. You could override somebody or oh. Kashi could override somebody and send it straight to the investment committee. Right. We've moved past the super okay. buy, but nice to know you're paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's get to number 10 on the list. This is Helios and this is for Sebastian. So Helios's board yesterday knocked back that bid for ACL, which let's be honest, many in the market reckon didn't really have a chance of getting getting done anyways, Helios yeah. being the bigger player, of course. Um, so does this mean that Helios is ripe for more M&A? Will you seek some consolidation in this space or is it status quo for now? Do you like the business? Um, I think uh, I do like the business. It's defensive and the like, but it has had its own problems for so long. Uh, and also it's now cycling some of the uh, the COVID testings and the like, and that is a big challenge, right? Yeah. But what's really good though at this point is that you do have a management that is very keen on cost cutting. Um, I think that will be a big program that they will drive cost cuts. So, you know, and then heading into next year, you start cycling, um, you know, you won't have a lot of those, um, you know, PCR tests and um, the sort of volume in there. So you're cycling easier com heading into 2024. At the same time, you had a bit before, it was not serious, um, and um, for other reasons, um, but that you do, you know, potentially could flush out a few buyers because it is defensive business. Um, looking at Sonic, you know, share prices perform incredibly well, mm. also have similar sort of issues because they're cycling all these big numbers um, of PCR, but the business was able to keep buying you know, other um, sort of um, other bolt-on businesses around the world. So, and they're seeing the share price actually going from strength to strength and Helios really got left behind. It's more domestic focus, it's, there's no international, but I think the cost front um, when the result comes is going to drive the share price higher. Mm -hmm. mm, it's a buy for me. It's a buy, mm. thank you. We're on a bit of a roll here. Are you going to ruin it for us or not? Yeah, mate, I don't know. I, see, I think uh, uh, pathology is something that well, so I think Sonic does the best in the in the industry. Everybody seems to really love Sonic as a preferred play. Well, it's probably the number one in the space. It's got a great dividend yield. Not, yeah. not that that's yeah, but so that is and and 
they've Sonic's also really come down a lot and now starting to move higher again. So I think that that sort of price action is starting to move. The cost out program for for Helios is definitely going to do well, but and that will be offset by other sort of headwinds that are coming through. COVID-19 testing, we, we have this slowing materially and that's certainly something that they're going to have to deal with. Their balance sheet has a little bit less flexibility. They're sort of, they don't have a lot there. But overall, I think the base case is that if they can get the pathology volume going forward, um, I think it would be okay. I'm going to ruin the parade. That's fine. And we say want as a hold. Yep. Um, because the, the, the corporate activity there isn't too bad. And, and, and obviously, I just, yeah, I can't get excited about this business. It doesn't excite me, but um, yeah, it'd be a hole for me. Okay, thank you. So because defensiveness continues to come up, and we know why we're in an uncertain environment, yeah. um, what would be your sort of ultimate defensive stock right now, Jim Bay? Oh, for me, absolutely healthcare. So you want to sit in the healthcare space. Now, um, the, the traditional one would be the likes of CSL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Resume just reported incredible result, and they've still got a long runway. And next quarterly should be pretty good as well because they just had all the great device sale, and then the margin should be better. Next there you go. They're looking to increase margins. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So um, then the yeah the renewables. And so, um, so all of that, I think these two names are incredibly good. Um, you know, then, then you start talking about the cochlear. They're just very, very expensive. I much prefer to be seeing the likes of CSL and, um, you know, ResMed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and ultimate defensive sort of positions for you? I think Telstra is looking really good at the moment. I don't know. Like, if you have a look at that chart, it actually looks, it's actually every day, it's just sort of this little tick up, little tick up. There's a lot of guys on the floor. Oh, Telstra's going to be 450 before the end of the year and those kinds of things. But the share price has actually been reacting really, really well. So as an ultimate defensive business, it's probably not that defensive, but I think low volatility, good vol- uh, good volume, so you can move in and out of that kind of thing. Uh, and the chart is definitely, that channel is moving higher. So interesting. say Telstra. Do you think it'll yeah. be able to continue to lift mobile prices in this yeah. environment? Yeah, I do. I think that they can. I mean, they're certainly the number one leader in the space. Um, we, we know inflation is potentially, they've been keeping up with inflation and they're able to raise their prices. So yeah, I, yeah, I do. So it's it's an interesting one. The dividend yield, let's not worry about that. That's, that's moving on. But the, the share price is actually looking really good at the moment. You think? I actually think I actually agree. I have Telstra in my portfolio. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's just I don't know. It got that three eighty four bucks. It did a little bit, and then it's just started to tick up, and it's just I don't know something going on there. But uh, yeah, I like when I see of, the twinkle in your yeah, eye. Yeah, it just <laughs> uh, you know because it's an easy story to talk to some clients yeah. about, and they're like, oh, I held Telstra this, and oh, it's horrible. But then you sort of talk about they are sort of uh, siloing some businesses, the um, the mobile towers, they're, they're breaking it up, they're making it more palatable, they're looking they're looking like a better business now. Still lots of legacy stuff that you need to be really mindful of and, and aware, but that share price is looking really good at the moment. Well guys, I could sit and talk all day genuinely with you both, but no, we've got to get moving. So let me just wrap up what we've learned. Aussie ethical, just too expensive for both of my guests, point being, even though it's seen that massive share price, uh, fall. Uh, Blue bet, be very, very careful. It's an avoid. I think we'll call it that for both of my guests. No need to be in it. Super retail, it's a sell for both. So if you've been in it, then likely what you're doing is actually crystallizing some profits before we see the real turn in the consumer cycle. 
Um, sales are slowing, and they told us that this week. Read the signs. City Chic is one that Adam is watching. He doesn't mind that at all. And uh, Luke Jumbe has been a long-term lover of Louis Vuitton. I don't think you mind me saying that, and still liking that in the retail space. Okay, Dicker Data, it's a second double buy. So we've got that on the list that will be put to the investment committee. And then Helios, you've just heard, it's a buy for Jumbe. She sees it as defensive, the whole healthcare space. But I liked, you know, she's, she's just seen that there's there's reasons for its share price to push higher from here, including cost cutting and then lower, easier comps to come. Um, but uh, yeah, not so for no, Adam Doss, no. who really likes Telstra. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much. That was fun. Adam Dawes, Sean Partners, Junbei Liu, Tribeca Investment thank Partners. You. Great to have you guys both back. And on a Friday, really nice to sail through the program like that. Thanks for watching or listening all this week. We'll be back next week with more. Also, send us your ideas. We'd love it if you did. You can do so at osbiz.co forward slash call picks. And we will be taking you through the pulse next.